0: It's Wednesday, February 17th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. With me today, Mr. Bill Barker. Good to see you. Good to be here. We've got hotel earnings. Warren Buffett and his team have gone shopping. We'll see what they've been buying. Um, and, you know, the shopping spree that they've gone on leads nicely into the consumer spending numbers from January that came out this morning. Retail sales in January up more than 5%, um, particularly. Uh, nice numbers for home furnishings, home improvement, electronics. Um, this is, it's only one data point, but it's a pretty bullish data point for the U.S. economy. It is.
1: Uh, I, I don't know um, how much there is to add onto the data, uh, except it's something that, uh, you know, points to good times. Uh, well, maybe not ahead uh, in, in January as a result, in part, of the Um, uh, the checks that went out and some people who got the $600 check from the government. uh, And to call that good times is an unfortunate choice of words, which I should take back. But spending times, uh, there are many people who had money to spend in January that they didn't previously have, and they spent it. And uh, there's been a question about how these checks are getting used, whether they're being uh, put into savings, whether they're being put into, you know, trading stocks in some cases. Uh, and uh, these numbers reveal that, to uh, a large extent, what they have been uh, used for is exactly what they're designed for, and, and that is people uh, buying things they need.
0: Definitely a data point to to keep watching. Particularly, you think back to you know nine, ten months ago when. Uh, In the early days of the pandemic, the personal savings rate in the United States shot up to the low 30s. Um, So, yeah, as you said, nice to see that um, the checks are being put to use. Um, uh, Sticking with the spending theme, um, we've got shares of Tractor Supply hitting an all-time high today, not based on their earnings, which came out in late January, but uh, Tractor Supply is buying Orsheln Farm and Home. They're spending just under three hundred million dollars to do it. This is a retailer with one hundred sixty-seven locations across the Midwest, and Tractor Supply is buying growth, and uh, the market appears to be applauding this move. Yeah,
1: they're getting uh, about one hundred and eighty-ish stores. Their Tractor Supply, uh, under the Tractor Supply brand, has about a hundred. Sorry, about a uh, thousand nine hundred and, and change. Stores, So, it's about 10% store count growth on that side of the business. They've also got about 160 stores in PetSense, which is a a smaller competitor to Petco and others in the, the pet market. So, really, they're growing stores at between 80 and 90 stores a year, roughly, right now. So, they're buying about two years of growth. They're buying that for slightly under $300 million. They say that the earnings are uh, it's going to be immediately accretive to earnings. so that once the deal is approved and, and goes through, uh, they'll uh, be earning more money per share. Uh, so that is one indication of a good use of money. And it, it's one that makes complete sense since the business is largely the same, has largely the same uh, clientele. Uh, it's a little bit more of a Midwest, uh, Location for Orsheln, and um, it allows Tractor Supply to not compete head-to-head uh, in those markets uh, with things that uh, you know in the in the places that it wants to grow, uh, and to just acquire all those sales instead. And with its uh, larger scale and more developed online operations, uh, to uh, actually achieve the synergies which are uh, always pointed out uh, in a merger, but uh, don't always happen.
0: So, with this acquisition, and thank you for reminding me of the fact that under the tractor supply umbrella is that PetSense brand, because I almost always forget that it exists, and with this acquisition, The tractors, the namesake side of the business becomes just that much bigger. At some point, do they start to look at spinning off the pet business because it just becomes a smaller and smaller part of, you know, should they just focus on the namesake brand because that seems to be doing pretty well?
1: They pretty much do focus on the namesake brand. PetSense was an acquisition a couple of years ago. They just took a write-off in the last uh, earnings report for uh, recognition that the Pet Sense acquisition was not as valuable as it was being uh, carried on the books, and so there was uh, some amortization, some some issues that, uh, that you know they're rectifying in, in their uh, in their numbers now as as to the attractiveness of that brand. It's an overlapping business. Pet Sense there there's a very large. Uh, Pet business within Tractor Supplies themselves, uh, so it it was it's an overlap, and it's a good time to be in the pet business, but it really is a brand that doesn't have anywhere near the power uh, that uh, Tractor Supply itself has. So, Pet Sense is really a, a a you know a very small part of the operations. I would I would say a smaller part than. Uh, uh, this acquisition is going to turn out to be. And, and it raises the question about the company's abilities um, in these acquisitions. It, it had a more successful one with Dells, uh, and basically, those uh, operations have all been rebranded to Tractor Supply, whether that happens with uh, Orshel is, is unknown right now, but I would, I would doubt that it happens in a rebranding capacity quickly.
0: Let's move on to Shopify. Fourth quarter profits and revenue came in higher than expected, and yet shares of Shopify down 7% this morning. And I get that this is a stock that, even with the drop today, is up about 150% over the past year. So the valuation might be a tad frothy, but it, it seems like when you look at the results of this quarter, Shopify has moved into that uh, realm of businesses where. If you put up great numbers, but not amazing numbers, your stock's price is going to get dinged. Uh,
1: Yeah, dinged off of what was, you know, an all time high yesterday, a stock that's, uh, uh, been between $300 a share and uh, just within a few pennies of $1,500 a share going uh, yesterday. So, uh, off six, 7%, that gets it back to in, it just purely talk about the stock for about eight more seconds, which is the stock is back to where it was uh, last week. Uh, and the business, if you're a business owner and what you're focused on is what the business is doing, you're, you know, you're, turning cartwheels again uh, over this um, earnings report, 94% uh, revenue growth and for the, for the quarter, uh, which is actually an acceleration for the full year, which itself was up 86%. So, you know, a, a stock, a, a company which has doubled its sales in a year from an already very nice level uh, is extremely hard. Uh, it's hyper-growth of this type is just very hard for the stock market to value. It's valued it uh, very generously, uh, one would have to say, at this point, point. Um, and if it takes a couple of dollars off the price today, that's um, inconsequential to the longer-term story.
0: Hilton Worldwide reported a loss in the fourth quarter, revenue was light, and yet somehow shares of Hilton are flat today. Um, this is sort of the reverse of Shopify. On the surface, you would look at the numbers they put up, particularly relative to a year prior, and, uh, you know, may, maybe I'm, I'm missing something on the guidance they offered, because uh, this, was, this was not a great quarter.
1: Uh, no, and not a great year. And uh, the market is taking the instructions, I suppose, of the company, uh, which is more or less to the tune of, nothing to see here, move along, keep going. Um, The stock's at an all-time high, basically, and despite the year that it has had, which has been one of losses. uh, But the market is a forward-looking mechanism, and the future, both in the medium-term and the long-term, looks good. Uh, The the short-term, obviously, if we're talking about right now, looking at the last quarter, uh, occupancy rates uh, around the world were uh, 40%, which was down uh, 31% from the year before. And, you know, room rates themselves were down uh, more than that, down uh, about 60%. So, uh, yes, we all know people aren't leaving home, they're not going to hotels, and uh, they want to. And that's what the market is is looking at today, is that the knowledge that this is a service which people want to use uh, next year and in the
0: years ahead. So, what should people be looking for in terms of an industry metric um, to get a sense of travel bouncing back? Is it is it airline bookings? Is it hotel bookings? Is there like is is one a better indicator of the other?
1: I think. Uh, hotel bookings is better because I think people are going to err on the side of caution where they can um, and get in a car and and there's a way to travel uh, safely and to stay in hotels and and you know airbnbs uh, more safely than other ways. And if you take the people's fear of flying the airlines, I think, you know, have gotten the word out on how safe it is regarding COVID to fly, but I don't think that that word has, has been fully accepted yet. And hey, if you've got a car and you could get to a place by driving instead of flying, a lot of people are going to make that choice. So, I think hotel is going to bounce back earlier. Um, additionally, uh, you know, I think the, the business travel for airlines is, the, there's a long-term impact on that part of the business.
0: Berkshire Hathaway has filed their latest 13F with the good people at the SEC, and Warren Buffett and his team have gone shopping and people have noticed, as they tend to do, um, because when Warren Buffett and his team go shopping, um, the numbers tend to get pretty large. Uh, Berkshire Hathaway has taken a $4 billion stake in Chevron, an $8.5 billion stake in Verizon, They've sold off uh, some of the stakes in Pfizer, J.P. Morgan Chase, and Wells Fargo, but the um, the I don't know of those two, four billion in Chevron, eight and a half billion in Verizon, is one of those more surprising than the other. Uh,
1: I I suppose Chevron is more surprising because I have a harder time getting excited about. Chevron's long term and if you know you're taking a uh, Buffett quote of the best you know time to sell a stock is never and, and being a buy and hold investor I don't see Chevron's fortunes as being ones which will improve over the next two decades let's say uh, and I think that there is reason to look at uh, Particularly a couple months ago, to look at things in the energy sector and discover a valuable price for something—a a market overreaction, perhaps. Uh, nevertheless, I think that uh, you know there are pressures on uh, on oil that are undeniable, and um, that this is likely to be more of a short-term than long-term victory in terms of the stock price.
0: Yeah, I mean if 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 we were talking about you know if if this 13F came out last april and it was oh when chevron's stock price fell below $60 a share Berkshire Hathaway picked up 4 billion dollars worth that would be like oh okay i get that you know that's the, the the classic value investor move there i mean this is i get that it's you know up a little bit but it's it's back above 90 now so i I, I, you and I were talking this morning, and, and you reminded me of something which is, I think, always important to point out whenever we're talking about Berkshire Hathaway, the, the natural inclination is that Buffett and Charlie Munger are the ones making these decisions, and you pointed out, well, look, we, this could have been Ted or Todd, this you know, this could have been someone else. It, and yeah. I, I agree with that. That being the case, do, do you think Buffett um, holds some sort of veto power over the, over the other people on his team. You know, he's giving them a wide berth and saying, "Look, I want you to manage your portfolio." But if one of those guys came out and said, um, uh, "Just a heads up, boss, uh, going to be uh, going to be plunking some money down into Bitcoin," do, do you think Buffett's like, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa. what?" <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, I think it would have to be something that you are ready to explain. To Warren Buffett uh, as to why you're making that investment, and so uh, I'm not sure that I would want to put him on the spot. Uh, You know, as as much as one might believe in Bitcoin, when it comes out that Berkshire Hathaway owns a bit of Bitcoin. Warren Buffett, who has said things that are not complimentary toward investment in Bitcoin, uh, would be put on the spot. So that, as an example, I think is is not something that I would be comfortable making if I were working for him.
0: Yeah, that's a good uh, another good reminder that you know even if it is one of the other people on the team um, making the purchase at the annual meeting, or the next time he goes on CNBC to talk to Becky Quick. Buffett is the one who's going to be getting asked the questions. Yeah, do you suppose I, they've had a meeting about Bitcoin? Not Buffett, but do you, do you? Do you? At any point has anyone at Berkshire Hathaway, in an investing manager role, said to another person, "I want uh, twenty minutes of your time. Uh, I'm I'm I just want to talk through Bitcoin." Do you suppose that meeting has happened at Berkshire Hathaway? I I would bet plenty that
1: Warren Buffett has had people uh, explain and detail and has probed Bitcoin and could uh, tell you quite a bit about it, uh, because it's hard to believe that something that has been this front and center in the investment world uh, for as many years now as it has and uh, would, would not have attracted his intellectual curiosity. Uh, at at the very least now i don't think it fits into his investment style and i don't think that he at this point is likely to change his investment style to the degree necessary to incorporate an investment in bitcoin he's gotten pretty far uh you know doing what he does best so i think it's outside of his circle of competence and uh, confidence and is going to remain there but i'll bet i'll bet he can tell you quite a few things about it
0: I can't wait for the headline, Motley Fool, colon, Buffett has been mulling Bitcoin investment. And you get quoted, it's like, Bill Barker from Motley Fool Asset Management said the following.
1: You 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 do that just to make me apologize in public for the most horrific line that I ever used in, in a Motley Fool
0: um, article, aren't you? Um, I don't think it's the most horrific <laughs> line you've ever used in an article. I'm, I'm not giving it that title.
1: No, not this uh, the one that I actually did use uh, many, 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 many years
0: ago. Um, R- remind which, people of the line. I, I, I know the line you're about you to say, but I don't think it's the worst thing you've ever written.
1: The title of the article was Warren Buffett Issues Death Threat. And um, and I'm, I'm here, I'm apologizing for that right now. And it was an article where it... it, it Let's call clickbait what it is. Um, How could you not click on that? And then it it referred to a line that he had in his annual letter about, you know, what he was considering buying. And he said, I could tell you, but then I'd have to kill you. And which is a, you know, old standard joke. And... um, you know the the rest of the article contained what I hoped was useful information for investors, but the the, the headline itself, um, although effective at attracting clicks, is one that I regret to this day. Um, so, I, I if anybody, uh, you could probably Google it; it's
0: probably out there somewhere. Now I'm just wondering what I'm going to give to a title to this episode, but I'll think no. about that. <laughs> Levy. <me.
1: laughs> Let me bury this one. I've brought, I've brought it up. Just It's a reward for those that have suffered through the entire podcast and have gotten to the end. Uh, don't, go, don't go following my lead and, and do clickbait headlines for your podcast. Be the better man.
0: All right, but just this once. <laughs> Bill Barker, great talking to you as always. Thanks.